how do I heal? Or how do I recover? There are several ways I could answer this question. The answer I give in today's episode may surprise you. Hopefully, it will spark hope and inspire you. I'm Sarah Morales, and I'm the host of this podcast. Before I get to today's answer, I wanted to let you know about the 12-week program I created specifically for this reason, to help people heal from the effects of gaslighting. The next cohort starts the week of February 20th. I'll have a link for you where you can find more information in the show notes. My guest today is Emily. Emily is a dog-loving, magazine-worthy house decorating, I'm not kidding y'all, it's amazing, rock-climbing goddess, who also happens to be one of my closest and dearest friends. She's one of the smartest people I know, and a person who is relentless in her pursuit of being the most healthy and whole version of herself that she can be. At one point in her life, like you, she discovered the topic of gaslighting. And today, we do a bit of a before and after type discussion, and I can't wait to show you part of the answer to how do I heal as Emily and I talk about how she's gotten to where she is today. Thank you for being my guest today, Emily. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm honored to be here. Yay! This is going to be so great, y'all. <laughs> Buckle up. Buckle up. Oh, and you know, we might as well give a, you know, explicit warning now because I'm sure there's going to be some some words to be said as we <laughs> unpack some things and share some things today. Also, you might want to cautiously sip your coffee because otherwise you might do one of those <laughs> things like when you know you're drinking and um, you spit coffee out. So just forewarning, we get a little bit sassy. Sassy Sarah <laughs> likes to come out and play with Emily. So the word of the day today is knowing. And then while I don't have an official <laughs> definition, I mean, I could have gone to you know Google and Google define the word knowing. I actually wanted to read an excerpt from my imaginary BFF, Glennon Doyle, <laughs> in her book, Untamed. So listen along with Emily and the rest of us, as I read this paragraph from the book Untamed, Glennon says, I have learned that if I want to rise, I have to sink first. I have to search for and depend upon the voice of inner wisdom instead of voices of outer approval. This saves me from living someone else's life. It also saves me a hell of a lot of time and energy. I just do the next thing the knowing guides me toward, one thing at a time. I don't ask permission first, which is such a grown-up way to live. (laughs) The best part is this. The knowing is beyond and beneath language, so I have no language to use to translate it to anyone. Since it doesn't use words to explain itself to me, I quit using words to explain myself to the world. This is the most revolutionary thing a woman can do. The next precise thing, one thing at a time, without asking permission or offering explanation. This way of life is thrilling. I understand that no one else in the world knows what I should do. The experts don't know, the ministers, the therapists, the magazines, the authors, my parents, my friends, they don't know. Not even the folks who love me the most, because no one has ever lived or will ever live this life I I am attempting to live with my gifts and challenges and past and people. Every life is an unprecedented experiment. This life is mine alone. So I've stopped asking people for directions to places they've never been. There is no map. 
we are all pioneers. So that again, for those of you who have not yet been introduced to Glennon Doyle, you need to go out and get that book like immediately. It's called Untamed and it's revolutionary. It shouldn't be hard to find. It's been like the number one bestseller for like two years or something like that. Um, But that to me epitomizes the word of the day, which is knowing and a little bit of foreshadowing, because for me, that's, that's part of, if not almost the biggest part of the answer of how do I heal is finding our knowing. And that's a little bit about what we're going to talk about today with Emily's story. So Emily, let's go ahead and um, talk about the story that you brought today. I know it's just kind of a a one-off experience. It's not like someone that you're in consistent relationship with, but I loved that example because um, we need to understand that it happens much more often than we think it does. And it's not always this kind of intense Charles Boyer kind of experience, and it still impacts us. So if you would, please go ahead and share your story um, something I'll call the parking lot ex- incident, or I think you called it the angry man TM. <laughs> share your story with my listeners today. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's um, gaslighting is one of those things that is such a knee jerk response. It's such a human, mm. it's such an innate human response that we do. And so it's so funny to be taken off guard in a public situation like this where Mm -hmm. it's a total stranger Mm -hmm. um and for whatever reason there's still some trigger within them that they have to try and manipulate your reality a little bit Mm -hmm. to make themselves feel better so um i think it should be interesting (laughs) to bring it down with you yeah but um i'll set the scene so i think a lot of people will identify with this If you've ever been shopping at a grocery store around holiday time, people's lizard brains come out for whatever reason. They get get so angsty and aggressive and it's really funny. It's just a reminder that we're all truly monkeys fighting over the potatoes in the bin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I was at the the grocery store the day before Thanksgiving picking up my groceries and um, very crowded parking lot, as you would imagine. Mm -hmm. Everybody's crammed in, driving really slowly, and this man starts backing into me um, as I'm going down an aisle. And so I have to kind of turn to avoid being hit. Mm -hmm. And I think, oh, good job. Way to (laughs) pay attention and avoid a collision. Mm -hmm. But as I get to the end of the aisle, I hear tires squealing. Mm-hmm. And then I see this man gesticulating wildly in my rearview mirror and honking. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, wow, he's mad. What happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and just kind of, I don't know, let it leave my mind and exit the parking lot and um, get to a stoplight. And I, I find that he followed me. Wow. And um pulls up next to me and mm-hmm. motions for me to put my window down. And um, he's just has his brow furrowed and he's shaking his cigarette at me and like, man, this guy is pissed. Yeah. Okay. I'll play. I'll play a game. Yeah. I roll down my window and I said, <laughs> what's your problem? Mm-hmm. Or what's your, I can't remember. I was like, what's your deal, sir? Mm-hmm. <laughs> sir. <laughs> mm-hmm. He said um, he was furious that, uh, 
I, he said that I was driving recklessly, mm. that I was going to get somebody killed. Wow. Um, and I said, in my mind, I'm like, but you're the one that's peeling out and almost rear ending me, right. almost backing into me. Um, I said, sir, I just saved you from being liable in an accident. You were the person in reverse. If you had hit me, you would have been at fault. Mm-hmm. And I could see the wheels turning and it was, he just stopped for a minute and mm-hmm. realized he was wrong, but then repeated himself mm-hmm. and said I was being reckless, et cetera. And I was pissed because I knew that wasn't true. I mm-hmm. knew the reality of the situation, mm-hmm. told him again, he was wrong. And at that point he was super flustered and he said, and the light had turned green and he said, oh, well, you're just an entitled little brat. And then mm-hmm. peeled out. <laughs> that way. Wow. And so, I mean, we were sh- screaming at one another, two strangers at a stoplight. <laughs> I've never uh-huh. done this in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but something came over me where I would not let this man try and make me responsible for something that he did. Yeah. I know so, that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think I texted you after that and told you. Mm. And we were both like gaslighting. <laughs> right. And mm-hmm. talking about, you know, how it felt afterwards. It was just, yeah, very rattling. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second or two more. Um, so, you know, going back just slightly to that day and that experience, I know you said you felt rattled. You also felt a little furious. Um, are there any other things that are coming up for you that any kind of thoughts or feelings about, you know, specifically after, right? Like maybe not in the middle of, but, but after that experience. Um, I mean, I definitely had a big physical response after that. Mm-hmm. I was very shaky. I was sweaty. All mm-hmm. of the trauma responses that you would mm-hmm. anticipate having after an exchange like that. Um, I immediately told a few friends mm-hmm. because I, I don't know, I guess maybe I wanted the validation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. for sure. And in my, as I was breaking it down afterward, the thing that kept coming up for me was that if I had been a man, mm-hmm. that that whole exchange probably wouldn't have happened. So it felt very personal. Mm. It felt like it had a lot to do with my um, my gender and my age and mm-hmm. appearance and what kind of car I was driving. And mm-hmm. it felt very targeted. Yeah. So that was gross. Yeah. <laughs> what I want to point out about this situation and just love that this is what you brought, because, you know, there's different types of situations you could have brought and we could have deconstructed and, and talked about. But when we're circling around, you know, this kind of idea of, um, our knowing and how do we heal from gaslighting and what does it look like? There are a few things that I kind of wanted to point out to my listeners today about the importance of a story like this one. And the first one is kind of like you said, you know, how human of a reaction, a gaslighting reaction might be. Now we don't know what, you know, we joke and say that this man was entitled or whatever, you know, we don't know what was going on inside of his head. It might've been that he's entitled. It might've been that he was responding from a place of fear. And, you know, for a lot of us, myself included, fear can cause an anger response. Powerlessness can cause an anger response. And, you know, so when we're angry, we're not the ones at fault, the other person, right? Like, so there's lots of reasons why he might've been doing it, but it doesn't really matter. The fact is that he did it. 
And what I wanted to pull out of this is that I want my listeners to understand how pervasive gaslighting behaviors are. And there are two reasons why I want people to understand this, not so that people are walking around in fear, like, oh my God, like gaslighting is happening everywhere, right? Because that's not the point of being aware. You know, the point of being aware um, is understanding that if we are experiencing gaslighting in other places, our intimate partnership, our parents, you know, a lot of people that I have coached can point to a narcissistic-ish or full-on narcissistic parent, um, right? Like if we have these things happening in other places, these types of so-called minor gaslighting experiences will add to the effects, right? So if we already have self-doubt, if we already deal with a lot of confusion, like some of these effects, these minor incidences, when we see it in TV shows, like it compounds the effects in our own life, right? Um, And so it makes that effect bigger. And then the second thing is that it can actually often cause us to stay in a place of hypervigilance. If we aren't able to recognize it and name it, right? Like our brain's job is to keep us safe, right? So it's supposed to be scanning the horizon for danger, so to speak, right? And when we're experiencing a lot of gaslighting and it can even happen in these minor ways, our our brain is constantly kind of assessing every interaction and every scenario for potential harm in the form of gaslighting, right? So again, it's not to be afraid. We want to bring it to our conscious so that our subconscious doesn't bring, doesn't cause us to be in a place of hypervigilance. If we bring it to our full consciousness, we might, oh, I know what that is. That's someone who's trying to gaslight me and it's just not going to work because. (laughs) Yeah. It becomes your default response. Yeah. Is opting out. And it's just so easy. It's like, it's like riding a bike. Yeah. You remember it immediately. Yeah. So I wanted to point out like these, these minor things, we don't have to fear them. We just want to be aware of them. Right. Again, because every situation we have two options. One is to go into a place of self-blame, doubt, confusion. The other, which is a disempowered place. The other is an empowered place, right. Of recognition. Oh, okay. I see what's happening. I don't have to let that get to me, which is you know, even though you had a little bit of a trauma response, it didn't cause you to doubt what you knew to be true, which by the way, goes back to me referencing you being one of the smartest people. Like I actually had to Google this to see, um, like what the law actually is like, who does that right away? Like I Googled it and you're absolutely (laughs) right. And you just, you just know, cause you just know all the things. The second thing I kind of wanted to point out about this story that you shared with us today. And again, as it relates back to this question of how do I heal from the effects, right? Is that here today, you were able to share that in this experience, you had an empowered response, right? And this one came years after you learned about and began working on healing from gaslighting. Now, can you for a minute help take my listeners back to the old Emily? Pre, pre-awareness of gaslighting, <laughs> Emily. And let's imagine for a moment how you would have responded before you knew, before you were the empowered person that you are today. How would she have uh, responded? What were some of her thoughts have been? I think I probably would have responded out of a place of fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a very intimidating interaction um both like from a physical safety perspective Mm -hmm. using his car kind of as 
an intimidation tactic. Yeah. Uh, and just the anger. Um, I think old me would have been fearful and taken that fear and turned it into me being responsible somehow, okay. even though I had just lived through that same reality, that same experience. Mm-hmm. I would have found some way to make it my fault mm-hmm. and would have second guessed and been like, oh no, what did I do wrong? Right. I made this man mad. Right. Um, and I don't think I would have interacted with him at all. I don't think I would have obliged. Nothing to see here. Down. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh God, don't look over. Don't make eye contact. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that in my knowing in this experience, just knowing that I was in the right, mm-hmm. I felt <laughs> safe interacting and mm-hmm. letting him hear the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think old me would have probably apologized if I did get to that that place where I was having an exchange and he was angry and mm-hmm. whether I was right or wrong. I'm so right. sorry. Please mm-hmm. don't kill me. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, which is unfortunately kind of how <laughs> our biology makes us respond sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's powerful. Right. And I think I love that you, you know, pulled out from there. Like I, I could imagine while you were saying that, like window still up, you know, but that kind of like, I'm sorry, you know, like with the gesturing <laughs> yeah, exactly. and like trying to communicate with the window still up, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's just like layer of protection. You know, when, when we try to like wave at somebody, like when we actually literally do make a mistake, like, yeah, like I meant I'm to, sorry. you know, my bad. Right. Right. <laughs> like I can imagine all of that happening and also just how out of alignment that response actually is. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it's it's kind of funny to let the the listeners in on a little behind the scenes here when you and I were texting about this yesterday, right? Like I surprised you with this question, right? I was like, do you what would old Emily have said? And we kind of talked about this a little bit, and like almost immediately after you shared what old Emily would have done and would have responded, you sent a text that was <laughs> fucking hilarious. <laughs> do you remember what it was? I said. I'm a spicy tamale. You can't gaslight me. (laughs) You were like, it was kind of like gross. Like there's, there's this sense of when we start to connect with who we are and we're able to stay grounded in our knowing our word of the day, right? Like in our knowing, it's like when we operate outside of our alignment, it just feels Ew, like like almost a grossness to it, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not fear, it's not, it's not, you know, it's like, oh, like that just doesn't feel like me anymore. Yeah, it's like completely shifting the power out mm-hmm. of yourself and putting it in somebody else's hands. Yeah. And yet at the same time, like I said yesterday, you know, we thank our old selves for getting us to where they did. They did the best they could. So we're not like, we're not like shaming our old selves. We're just saying, wow, I'm such a different version Mm -hmm. of myself today, being fully awake and connected to my knowing and these things that it takes a lot for somebody to be able to throw me like, like I used to be able to be thrown. Mm -hmm. Right. It takes a lot. Doesn't, I'm not, you know, invincible, but it takes a whole, heck of a lot. And I I love that. And um, so what I wanted to do is kind of embrace my deconstruction zone today um, from the viewpoint of old Emily, 
right? And then I want to talk a little bit after that about how you got from her to where you are today. Um, but first, you know, I wanted to kind of get, get my my geek on and um, deconstruct what happened with the guy, right? Uh, what were some of the behaviors that he did? What were some of the things that um, stood out to me? And, you know, it's interesting because while this is only an isolated incident with this particular person, this is not an uncommon experience for a lot of people, including I make up you in the whole scheme of your life, right? Like in, in relationships and things leading up to this with the kind of idea of intimidation, especially being the thing that stood out the most to me. And what I connected that to with the work that I do and the things that I teach people is when somebody takes on the role of the bully, this is what it really felt like to me when I deconstructed it and I got the flow chart out. And the way that I unpacked this is that he started out with nonverbal intimidation, right? Like one of the things I'll probably say a lot in this podcast is the hardest, most, um, detrimental, in my opinion, gaslighting is the things that people don't do, right? It's it's what's missing, right? So in here, it wasn't what he said, it's what he did, right? So this can be body language, it can be tone of voice, it can be a facial expression, it doesn't have to actually be the exact words that are intimidating, it can be everything but the words, and that's what can actually be confusing. And in this situation, um, it was nonverbal intimidation with aggressive behaviors, right? That honking, that speeding, even following to the stoplight. These are all things that are meant to intimidate, right? And then it moved into verbal intimidation when he was like yelling and all of those things. Those are a little bit more of the obvious things in this situation, but there are a few more that I pulled out as well. And actually, there was a lot more that I pulled out, which is crazy from like something that probably lasted all of three minutes. There was so much that I could pull out. But again, I'm trying to stay in this vein of recognizing the bully, right? Um, So he changed reality by distorting the facts, right? Like absolutely distorting and changing the facts and exaggerating your behaviors, Right. So that is that is an example of someone changing reality. That is not what really happened. Right. And that's confusing. How could somebody be saying something that is so different from what I just experienced? It's like so different. It's not just a little bit different. Like it's going going from saying, like, I think the color of, you know, that car is blue. And somebody says, Well, what color blue? And you're like, dark blue. And I think it's like light blue. It's like going from saying blue to red, right? Like it's such a different experience, it can be really confusing when somebody changes reality like that. Additionally, he didn't just change reality, he full out ignored reality by accept, uh, re, sorry, refusing to accept anything that was contrary to his feelings or thoughts. So even when you presented him with basically what you would find on Google <laughs> as a Google search, right? He was like, no, like, I'm just going to ignore that and say my perception again, without even paying attention to or giving validation to through any sort of recognition, what you were trying to say. Right. And then lastly, he undermined you or tried to undermine you by being condescending, disrespectful and using cutting remarks. So, um, so there's a lot in that three minutes. So no wonder you were shaking. No wonder you had a trauma response. He was being an asshole. (laughs) Like, so again, where that could have led to um, for for anyone 
in that situation is what I would call mind games, right? Like it just it fucks with your brain and you're trying to do men- what one of my clients called mental gymnastics, trying to figure out how to make sense of what is happening right here. And ultimately, once kind of going back to that quote that I read from Glennon's book, once we start going to the the words outside of us, we stop being connected to the truth that is inside of us, right? And we lose that connection of what we know to be true. Um, and that didn't happen, thankfully, for you. You were able to stay grounded. But let's take a look at what you said old Emily would have done in her flowchart. And let's see what you think about it and see if it resonates. So um, I believe that the old Emily didn't really see who she was. She was not fully in her knowing, right? Going back to this thing of it's kind of a different answer, right? <laughs> right. The, the, one of the answers, how do I heal? Well, get to know your knowing. Um, but because you didn't know who you were and not fully in your knowing, you had not fully embraced your power, right? Um, you were a much meeker version. You had the same intelligence, you know, all of these things, but you like, anyways, yeah, a much meeker version. You had not fully embraced your power. And because of when we are in a place where we have not fully embraced our power, we operate from an energy or maybe you could call it a baseline of self-doubt. Of course, we're not connected to our full selves. So of course, we're going to doubt what we know to be true. Right. So based on that, and again, coupled with the fear, um, when we have a baseline of self-doubt, we are often uncomfortable with disagreement or confrontation. Right. Um, that can also lead us to possibly having a hard time acknowledging when someone else is treating us badly. And that all leads into us self-blaming. And at the same time, having our focus be on keeping the peace. Right? Like, I'm just going to keep the peace. I'm going to do whatever needs to be done in order to keep the peace in this situation. Even if that means sacrificing my truth, sacrificing my voice, not articulating my needs and my feelings. I'll take on the blame, kind of like you said, because that, me taking on the blame in this situation, will allow me to keep peace. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, there's just so much there. Um, just the entire energy of the whole situation is different mm-hmm. when you're in your knowing. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, you start from a baseline of self doubt. If you flip that and you start from a baseline of your power and your truth, mm-hmm. it's like. <laughs> It's almost like if if um if you're faced with a situation like this you you break it down in a totally different way mm. um because you're starting from a different place. Yeah. So it sounds like um we I got that pretty accurate. Does that resonate with old Emily? That flow definitely. chart that I just did? Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So I'm guessing a lot of my listeners can relate to old Emily, like that's currently where they are, or maybe they've very recently been where old Emily was. I'm I'm wondering if, you know, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I'm wondering if you would share with my listeners a little bit about how you came into your knowing, like the process or 
Um, maybe something you did that helped you with that. Because I know for me, when I first started that journey, I was like, I don't even know how to do this. Like, what is that like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? How do I know when I'm coming into my knowing? Well, Sarah, you were such a huge part of that for me, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, just having a knowledgeable person in your life who you trust, who loves you, who mm-hmm you know sees the situation from the outside and can reflect back to you uh, that you're not crazy and can be validating. Mm-hmm. I think surrounding yourself with safe people like that was so critical for me mm-hmm. because it strengthened me. And mm-hmm. it that I really feel like that was kind of the first thing that I needed to push me fully into myself because it just isn't something you can do alone. Mm. Um, because if you're in a situation where you've experienced the abuse that gaslighting can be, um, it's so isolating. Yeah. And I think that as soon as you can get yourself into a community, pull yourself out of that isolation, um, that's such a place to draw strength and power from. And also just seeing other people really embracing who they are and their truth Mm -hmm. and being brave. Um, I think a lot of it for me was uh, I'm such an introvert and I think I used to carry a lot of shame about that because Mm. in Western society, I think extroversion is really prized. Yeah. Um, CEOs and, you know, powerful people, politicians all tend to be extroverted. And Mm. so we kind of hang out in the shadows and Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, that book quiet by Susan Kane really helped me appreciate my strength in that. And I think that uh, recognizing my, my strengths, um, really helped me grow into owning myself and owning mm-hmm. that I do have a lot of fire mm-hmm. and I might not have all of the same loud personality traits, but I, there's a fiery lady underneath. Yes, <laughs> there absolutely is. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Yep. I've seen her a time or two, <laughs> maybe a time or two. Um, so what it, it sounds like you said to me is, um, you know, something that we call mirroring and it gets a bad rap because a lot of people use it in unhealthy ways, right? Like a lot of gaslight it can actually be a gaslighting technique, but it's one of those things that is kind of in a vacuum. Um, and it can be used for good or evil kind of a thing, right? And it's meant to be a beautiful experience, right? When it's authentic, right? When people kind of mirror back to us the beautiful, amazing things that we see, or mm-hmm. sorry, that they see in us, mm-hmm. and that that helps because often when we've been gaslit, we don't really know, who, we don't see for ourselves who we are, mm-hmm. and other people can see it so clearly, right? <laughs> like, and, and the more we hear that positive reinforcement of these things that are trying to wake up, they're like whispering from the center of our knowing, right? Like, yeah. I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> right? like, and it's really quiet, right? Because it's been been snuffed out, right? Like for so long by all these gaslighting voices and that mirroring back is one of the things that helps that kind of grow into a louder, I'm here, I'm here, right? Until we're in a place where the next kind of part is, 
kind of a combination of being curious and self-permission, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to get curious about what is, what is this? I'm here. <laughs> like, what mm-hmm. am I hearing there? What am I connecting with? Who am I? And giving ourselves permission to love who we are as we are without anybody else's permission to yeah. be exactly who we are. Does that sound like I named it yeah. pretty well for you? Absolutely. And, um, and then just, I guess, to kind of go back to what you said about mirroring, I think that seeing strengths in, in other people mm. was so powerful for me because I'm like, oh, Sarah's a badass. I can do that. <laughs> like, we're so uh-huh. similar. We're such good friends. Yeah. And I admire this about her, but there's some of that in me too. And yeah, that, that helps wake it up. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> that. I love what you just said. I talked about in my why deconstructing episode about um, this phenomenon that's that happens when we are traveling this journey with other people. And I talked about how, you know, it's one thing to run, you know, a marathon by yourself or whatever. It's another thing when you do it with the energy of all the other people mm-hmm. and how that inspires you. And it's like contagious in a good way. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Like, And I feel like that's part of what you just said too. Like when I see something in other people, it helps wake up parts of me that maybe I've unknowingly allow go to sleep. Yeah. Or, or, or you ne- have a block or, there. Yeah. Yeah. Or I was never allowed to fully wake up in the first mm-hmm. place because mm-hmm. of religious or societal gaslighting or any of those kinds of things. Yeah. I love that. And it's that. like that, that cheesy meme that's all over the place. Like you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. <laughs> Choose wisely. Uh-huh. <laughs> but seriously. Yeah. Yeah. There's seriously, no, we yeah. are. But truth in that. <laughs> um, well, that's some great stuff. I love it. Thank you, um, Emily, for sharing that story. And I think, you know, it's really powerful to hear the difference of where you were and, you know, full of self-doubt and not knowing how to tether yourself to your own truth, if you even knew your own truth to where you are today. So Emily, is there anything you would like to leave with my listeners today? Yeah, I think that everybody's journey with gaslighting is so different. Um, I want to talk a little bit about mine. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, when I was deep in my gaslighting uh, in my relationships, I was physically very ill. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we know that trauma has such a direct connection to disease. Um, mm-hmm. particularly autoimmune disease and women are especially susceptible to it. Yep. That was such a huge part of my story. I was not only meek and <laughs> confused and disoriented. I was, I was ill. I mm. could not get out of bed. Um, and I was in my twenties. I was in like my late mid to late twenties. Yeah. Um, so as I started, getting stronger emotionally and mentally, I felt like my body started to heal too from some of that trauma. Mm-hmm. And with that, um, my physical being became so important to me where I started to feel better. So now I could do things that took care of Emily. I could go for yes. a walk outside and get sun. I could be with my dog. I could, um, do yoga, I could do whatever felt really right for me to be fully present and powerful. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And the more I leaned into that, it was like the stronger I got physically yes. and mentally and I got more determined and I was like, I have all these new interests and mm-hmm. it really bolstered who I was, but it required me to continue listening to that little tiny voice inside mm-hmm. about what felt right that day, that moment. I love that so much. It made me think I have this visual, like, you know, as you started, like one of those kind of vines that grows up the side of a building, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like the more you did things that, um, I forgot the words that you just used, but it was something about being in your power and alive, or I can't remember the two words you used, but it was like this thing, like the more you leaned into it, the more strength you had, the more healthier you got, like all of these things. And it's just like, you know, thinking, yeah, it's like, that's what it was like to watch you. Right. Like mm-hmm. just blo- like I have this kind of idea of like blossoming. Right. But but it's more <laughs> than just a flower that's like gone in a few days. It was like that's, that's why I thought of those those vines that just like grow up the side of like a really cool building. And then they're just there and they like come back every year and they're like beautiful, and big. And that's what it feels like. And I, and I, <laughs> yeah. And they I grow love- those big brown roots that dig into the Yes. Bricks or whatever. Yeah. Yes. That's our knowing, right? Yeah. And um, I love what you just said that it's unique and that's a perfect lead in for setting our alarm. So let's talk about how we're going to do that this week. Here's where I would love to say thank you for that, Emily. And I'm sure that will mean a lot to quite a few of my listeners. And um, here's where I'd love to say if you have a question that you would like me to answer, right? Like I started this off with the question how do I heal? Um, I had posted a question in one of the groups that I'm in and that question popped up. And so that's, we're answering it with a full, full last episode, right? (laughs) If you have a question um, that you would like to submit, uh, please do so. I'd love to have a listener question segment (laughs) to my podcast and you can do that through my website. Again, if you want to do that, I can put your name under a pseudonym. We don't even have to use a name. We can actually use your name, whatever you want, um, but I'll have the link in the show notes if you would like to do that. And then I did want to share, I think, a really amazing tip for our set our alarm segment of the episode today. And that has to do with this, what can be somewhat ambiguous understanding of attaining our knowing and connecting to our knowing. So I wanted to start um, this segment by reading again just a couple of sentences from that excerpt I read earlier. And that is that, oh, and the reason why is because obvs, you can't improve upon perfection. So <laughs> this quote, it says, I have learned that if I want to rise, if I want to awaken, if I want to connect with my knowing, I have to sink first. I have to search for and depend upon the voice of inner wisdom instead of voices of outer approval. This saves me from living someone else's life. If we want to live the most authentic, whole, and free version of ourselves, we have to live our life. So how do we do that? I wanted to share with you all along with this something that I did probably for at least a year straight. Um, and this was what I call my season of quote, let me check in with myself <laughs> and what, and I would literally say that I would wake up in the morning and I'd be like, what am I going to have for breakfast? Hmm, let me check in with myself and see what my body is telling me I need. 
Um, what do I want to do tonight after work? Well, let me check in with myself. Do I want to go and hang out with a friend? Do I want to take a nap? Do I want to watch TV? Do I want to read? Asking myself, like slowing down, pausing, checking in with myself. And again, I would literally say this out loud as often as I could. When I couldn't, I would just say it (laughs) internally, but I would ask myself, what do I want? And y'all, I'm serious, like for probably at least a couple of years, everything from what I wanted to have for lunch to whether or not I wanted to be sexual with my person, I checked in with myself, with my body, with my heart. I tried to listen to what the different parts of me were saying instead of searching for, well, what would that person want me to do? Right. Or what does society think? Or what did my religion? I was right. Like, no, fuck them all. (laughs) What's my, what's my voice? What is my body? What is my heart? What is my soul? What is my mind saying and learning how to distinguish my true voice from the voices I've internalized that are other people's voices. And that's a whole nother podcast, but (laughs) start by simply allowing yourself what we said earlier, curiosity. What am I doing? What is my, what are my wants? What are my feelings and permission? Okay. If I want a waffle this morning with blueberries and peanut butter, I hear the voices saying I should have eggs and no carbs, but I want a waffle, (laughs) right? Like giving yourself permission to basically self-validate. I asked myself what I wanted. I listened, my, my voice told me what I wanted, and now I'm going to act on what my knowing brought up for me. That's how we learn to differentiate. Allow it yourself to have that little experiment. It's not about perfection. It's not about not getting anything wrong or getting every time you check in with yourself right. It's about learning through trial and error. That's how, okay. One more thing. Cause I love my analogies for me. Learning or knowing is like shopping for jeans, <laughs> right? <laughs> unless you have, unless you're like one of these like rare unicorn people who have your favorite kind of gene and they never stop making that kind of gene and your body size never changes. <laughs> You can never just go into a store and pull out one pair of jeans and be like, I'm good to go. Right. Emily, I mean, Emily, right. Like we have to go in and take like four or five different pairs of jeans and we go into the fitting room and we're lucky if we found one that feels really good in that five pair. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an hour of your time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And it's this process of you can't know until you try it on what feels good and what feels right for your body. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what coming into your knowing feels like you slow down, you think, Oh, this pair of jeans looks like it might feel good and fit my body the way I want it to. Right. And then you go and you try it on. It's like, Oh, that was actually 20 year old Sarah. (laughs) I got to catch up with my mid 40 year old Sarah. Right. Like it's that same kind of thing. Like that voice, like I thought that was my knowing that was actually my knowing from my family of origin or not Mm. my knowing that was actually my voice from my family of origin. That's actually not my knowing. And we can, if we give ourselves permission to get curious and to question those things and to try them on, that's how we grow our knowing. Yeah. And then like walking out of the store without ever trying on the pants Mm -hmm. and just, that's what you're stuck with. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like that's kind of an analogy for betraying yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
this is what should fit me. This is what, this is what has been safe for me in the past. Um, I don't want to try it on. I'm just going to go with it. And then you get home and it feels awful. You can't sit down in them or like, you know, you eat, you eat a bite of food and the button's about to pop. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So in wrapping up the set your alarm section, I, you know, just love to encourage y'all. I know it can be scary. Kind of like Emily said, I know when I first started, I was like, what if I don't find it? What if I can't hear my own voice? What if it's gotten so quiet that I'm just going to hear crickets? (laughs) It's okay. It's okay if it's hard at first. It's like a muscle we have to grow, right? So the set your alarm is give yourself permission and set an intention to start trying to connect with your knowing. Emily, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me today and sharing your story of the angry man in the parking lot incident (laughs) and, you you know, just sharing your story of how you've stepped into your fiery Aries yet introverted self and, (laughs) and really kind of loving operating from your knowing. It's powerful. Thank you so much. Awesome. Awesome. So for you, my listeners, thank you for listening today and hanging out with me and Emily. If you liked it, please leave a review and subscribe. And if you believe others could benefit from listening to this podcast, please share it. And remember, it's not about becoming who you want to be. It's about awakening all that you already are. And once again, not today. We got stars in our eyes like
Oh no 